Do you want to hear what the best and most influential minds in the golf and turf industry have to say on issues affecting the world of golf? Turf grass and turf equipment? That's why I'm here. Tune in as Steven Tucker takes us on a journey with some of the nation's best minds and finds out what they think. If you were looking for excitement, you have found the right place. Welcome to the Turf Addict Podcast. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining me on episode two of uh, my podcast. This week, I've got uh, Mike Chris from Arrowhead Country Club, a good friend of mine, and uh, you know we we both helped found uh, IGCMA, and and him and I do a lot of uh, or done a lot of teaching over the over the last few years, and and he's here this week uh, helping me at the uh, Diamond Resorts. LPGA Tournament of Champions uh, this week, so uh, glad to have him here, and um, so welcome, Mike. Glad to have you. Hey, Stephen, how's it going? Oh, it's going good, man. Uh, looking forward to uh, getting this week. You know, you look forward to getting to this week, but then you also look forward to getting over with this week. So, um, so looking forward to it, and glad to have you here. And uh, you know, obviously, with this being new podcast, I wanted to kind of ask you a couple of questions while I had you here, and and uh, so we'll start with this. You know. Those who don't know you, um, how'd you get in the business, and and uh, how long have you been an equipment technician? Well, uh, I got into the golf course equipment management business, uh, I guess, back in 1999. Uh, I had retired from the Air Force in 97 and did a couple of odd jobs and, and uh, didn't really go the way I was going, so I decided to make a move and and uh, in the process answered an ad for a small engine mechanic uh, in Toledo, Ohio of all places. Um, ended up being a Jacobson dealership and that was the start of my uh, uh, golf course equipment maintenance career and I've been doing it uh, ever since. So uh, um, that's how I got into it. Uh, you know, like I said, I'd retired from the Air Force. Uh, my job, I did 21 years in the Air Force and my job there was ground support equipment and it's basically the same thing as turf equipment because it was all an engine driving a generator or an engine driving a hydraulic pump or something like that. So really cutting units was the uh, the only hurdle that I uh, really had to get over. Uh, that's great. You know, it's one thing, it seems like that's similar. You and Patterson both uh, worked at a Jake dealer before, before uh, getting into becoming an equipment manager. Um, so that, that's interesting. Um, what about golf tournaments? So, you know, obviously you're here uh, with me for the our event this week, and and you volunteered for the Byron Nelson Championship when we did the event there. So, over the last few years, I know you've done some other events, and we did the PGA Championship at Bell Reef. Uh, what do you like about it? Are there some surprises that you see when you go to them? Um, what What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I work at a small 18-hole private country club in. Rapid City, South Dakota, and we really don't have any tournaments or big deals. I mean, right now the big deal we have is our member guest tournament. We used to have a, a Pro-Am tournament which was on the Dakotas tour, but it was so, they were professional golfers, but it was several, several levels down. So um, tournament golf always intrigued me. I always liked watching it on the TV and, and uh, um, thought that there's only one way that I'm going to experience it. Uh, people probably think I'm nuts for for wanting to volunteer to to come and and uh, work at these things, but I'm I'm intrigued by them and I'm intrigued by the uh, 
the uh, increased level of, of uh, maintenance and, and really the increased level of attention to detail. And that sounds kind of counterintuitive because we probably should be uh, in tune to uh, all that detail on a daily basis. But obviously during a tournament, there's more eyes and, and uh, especially if it's a TV tournament. So um, I've always been intrigued by it and, and uh, I just I just enjoy the uh, getting out of getting out of my shop and, and uh, seeing how uh, seeing how golf course maintenance is done at uh, other places. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing I enjoy. Any surprises that you see out there when you go to some of these events? Yeah, I, I don't know that there's any surprises. Um, it, I suppose I suppose the level of, of uh, fan, uh, attendance or whatever. I mean that the the event that we did in uh, St. Louis early this earlier this year or last year, I guess last August. Uh, it was amazing how many people were on the grounds compared to some of the other tournaments I did, and it really restricted some of our movements as as we had to. I mean, obviously we spend most of our time in the shop, but there is a level of of uh, care that uh, we have to provide out on the course, and so that that really restricted it. But um, yeah, really no surprises other than than really the the detail and the amount of work that our superintendents and our assistant superintendents have to do. I mean, sure, we've got a lot of work that's got to be done in the shop, but they really spend a lot of time out there. And, and uh, depending on the tournament, uh, it, it amazed me how, how, uh, how they're really pulled one way or another by uh, outside uh, influence, whether it's the tour agronomist or or uh, other uh, other things like that so i uh, i have a real appreciation for superintendents in that regard because they uh they really have their hands full during that week uh, our our shot time in the shop is pretty much all planned out and we know what's going on and sure we have some surprises now and then but uh it uh, it really uh, it really is a trying time for everybody you know the great thing too is there's you know everybody does things a little bit differently and and that can be a positive, and that can be a negative during a tournament. I mean, uh, when when you got different points of view on on how you should do something, or if this is the right way, and you add some new wrenches in the shop, that you're, you know, it can it can be a little bit of a challenge to manage, um, especially depending on how many of them that you have. And and so it was uh, it was it was great to see uh, how everybody kind of came together during Bell Reeve and. And had kind of one set. This is how we're going to do it, and from point from from start to beginning, and and went really well. So uh, I enjoyed it. So let's uh, let's change gears. I know I've uh, I've had the op- great opportunity to speak with you around the world and and doing seminars. Is that something you enjoy doing? Uh, did you do it prior to the, doing the association? Um, what's your what's your involvement in, in speaking in the past? Yeah. So. Um while I was in the Air Force, uh, mid-career, I was drafted into instructor duty. And uh, so I had to go temporary duty to another technical school. And we actually went to instructor school. And we had to do nothing but give speeches the whole time there. But the whole emphasis was was uh, learning how to be an instructor. So that was my background that, that led itself to uh, what you and I had to do on the road. So it was um, nothing that was new. Um, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, getting out of a shell or, or whatever to, uh, to make these, uh, presentations. But the other part of it was, I saw it as a, as a necessary evil, if you will, because there was really nobody else doing it. And there was, there was a thirst 
at that time, there was a thirst for uh, speakers to uh, uh, go and speak at different venues. And, and uh, I mean, from golf industry show to the Canadian superintendents uh, to uh, uh, Biga at uh, uh, Harrogate over in England. So um, there, was, there was just a great need for it, and, and we were able to provide it. And there was, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of good feedback. I learned a lot from those things. But, mm. um, yeah, it was a good time. Well, I know we did a lot of teaching while we were involved with IGCMA, obviously, as you talked about. And then we did some with GCSA. Um, is it just me or do you see a lot less local seminars are being done? Um, and if they are being done, that they're typically the same thing every year. I mean, is it that difficult to come up with new information to speak with techs about or... You know, what do you see in your area? I know how it is here. It's typically, I mean, they do seminars, but it's typically the same stuff all the time. Um, you know, are you seeing a lack of it? And I know your area is a little bit different because it's a little scarce in terms of dealers, but it just feels like they're not doing it as much um, and that there's definitely more of a thirst for knowledge now than there, than there ever has been. So you'd think you'd see more. Yeah, you know, there really is a thirst for knowledge, but on the other hand, uh, it seems like every time that you're asked to uh, come in and do a seminar or whatever, it ends up almost being the same subjects all the time. Right. So, um, there, cutting units really is the uh, is the real thirst for knowledge out there, and and uh, sure you can you can talk for other subjects. There are other things. I'll, you know, right right now one of the hot topics is is tier four yeah. and tier four engines. Uh, there's a lot of information available out there, and, and uh, some manufacturers have done a pretty good job of, of uh, publishing things, uh, whether it's pamphlets, videos, uh, training, etc. The, the real problem is, is the availability of individuals to provide that training, yeah. and that's always been an issue. You and I have encountered that every, yeah. time, every time that we're tasked with something or asked to go and, and uh, provide some uh, uh, some uh, education. The good news is, since you and I started doing this since uh, back in 2006, 2007, there was you know only a handful of people who were doing it. And now there's, I mean, look at the look at GIS this year. There's uh, you know quite a few uh, uh, guys that have picked it up and and run with the ball. And that was kind of the whole idea, really. Anyway, was you know it it was time to get some other younger guys involved and and interested in doing that not everybody is a public speaker not everybody enjoys doing it but there's a lot of people that once we give them that little push or that little nudge then uh then uh, they found that hey i i can do this yeah. and uh so that's that's a good thing and i'm i'm really happy to see uh you know a good crop of uh um the younger guys uh, coming up stepping up and and uh, taking on those roles yeah, same here. I mean, uh, believe it or not, I was not a public speaker. I, you know, in school, I absolutely hated it. I did not want to get up in front of anyone and talk. I had a hard time with it. Um, and I think, you know, when, when you start, when you get into the business and you start realizing that, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to say something stupid, right? Um, and believe me, they're going to tell you about it. But the other part of it is that people aren't there really to judge what you're saying. They're there to pick up something they didn't know before. And, you know, whether it's right or wrong, they'll be the judge on, on that. I mean, they'll decide whether they feel like what you said was something they want to try or whether it isn't something they want to try. Um, but I think at the same time, us holding on to all that information and, and, you know, really not sharing it with anyone doesn't help anybody. 
Um, so I think that's what, you know, for me when I started doing it and, 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 you know, everyone tells me it's, it's, you know, when you start speaking about something that you know and that you're passionate about, people can tell. And when you're up there just going through the motions, and I think that's a difference in, you know, sometimes when you, when you go and you get a PhD that's speaking or a teacher from a college that it comes across a little more boring because they don't do it. Every, you know, they're speaking every day, right? But they're not in the job, doing the job, and living and breathing the job like, like other people are. And I say, you know, I think that's the great thing about GCSA is they have that. They have the academic uh, instructors there so you can gain that knowledge, uh, that scientific knowledge per se. Uh, but in terms of the living, the breathing, the knowing what the day in and day out of everything is, you know, I think that's the great thing about them bringing instructors that are superintendents or assistants or whatever the case may be because, A, it gives them an opportunity to get out in front of people and speak, but at the same time, you're sharing stuff that happens day in and day out and not stuff that you got out of a book that you've been, you know, that you're teaching. And I think that's what makes the difference in a good instructor that, that, uh, that's teaching and passionate about what they do and someone that's got a presentation they've done 75 times and they're just reading through the through the slides again. And I think that's what, you know, that that's what takes a class from a boring class to a class that you're actually interested in. Yeah, I've I've done my share of snoozers and and uh, you can you can tell right away uh, from the feedback that you're getting. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's either that or uh, you get uh, booked into the first hour after lunch. Yes. And so that's that's kind of the worst too, but no yeah, if, if you're going to speak and, and do something, number one, you've got to be the expert because believe me, if you try and get up and, and do a speech on something that you're not even confident with yourself, it's going to come across yeah. and, and it just doesn't work. So um, if there's any tips for anybody out there that's looking to do something like that, take take the easy route and do it something, do you know, do a subject that you're an expert on and, and you have to do minimum research and you're ready to just talk on the fly, really. Right. Yeah. And the more you do it, the better you get. I mean, exactly. that's we, I've been learning for years um, how to how to speak, and you know, you guys recording me are saying, "Hey, how many times did you say um?" And that, <laughs> you know, and I think once you're then aware of it, because when you're speaking, you're not aware of that stuff because um, you don't hear yourself. You're well, just talking, right? Or so, the other bad habits when you're standing in front of a live audience and you got your hands in your pocket or, right. you're, or you're constantly waving them around, you know, those are all distractions and those are the things that you learn in, in professional speech school or whatever. And, and hey, we're... We're not professional speakers or whatever. We're we're here to uh, to satisfy a need that uh, somebody said. Hey, we need, want you to come and, and give a, a speech or whatever. And usually, when when uh, when I'm asked why the 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 person that contacts me already has a list of topics that they'd like to have you come and speak on. So yeah, right. uh, it's a it's a mutual agreement on. Yeah, I can do that. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about our industry. Uh, any things you've seen progress and get better? And then also, you know, to take it the other way, do you feel there's any areas that we're losing ground on? You know, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I was, I don't know which one of the websites I was looking at the other day, and uh, there was a pic picture of a new, of all things, Jacobson Cutting, or actually a Jacobson Mower. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the responders says, huh, Look at those cutting units, the same ones that's been on the, the mower since uh, the 1970s. So there is something to be said about if you have a product, and I'm not endorsing any manufacturer anywhere, sure. but 
that's something that you and I have talked about quite a bit in the in the last few years. Is the Evelyn ev- Budding got it right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the evolution of the cutting unit, and I'm not so sure that uh, the things that uh, the manufacturer has done to the cutting units um, has has helped us out, and us as technicians or us as a golf industry. And what I'm meaning is we've we've gone from solid welded frames to three and four piece uh, cutting units and springs and and uh, all kinds of uh, inputs all all to satisfy and i don't know who the customer was that demanded that we have a click adjust or a notch adjust or or what is there there is there a third uh, name for those things but uh sure they're convenient uh sure they uh they uh, have a whiz bang to them but they they induce a, a whole lot more maintenance uh for us on our end there's a whole lot more to setting up a cutting unit and all that so i i don't know that i'm not convinced that that uh, the cutting units have have gone uh, the way that uh, evolution that I thought it was, um, and I, I'll come back to the, the the comment about the Jacobson cutting unit. You know, they they were forced kicking and screaming to add the the click adjust to their cutting units, and and uh, they went through some growing pains with theirs too. So um, that's one thing. Um, that's just cutting units, but uh, tractors themselves. You know, we've uh, you you have the whole gamut out there, and now our cutting or our tractors, the the mower itself, um, that's that's gone the route like our automobiles have, and and uh, we're seeing a lot more electronic fly by wire uh, things like that, and it's really making them tougher to troubleshoot. In fact, there are things that we can't do on a mower anymore. It's got to go to the dealership, or a right. dealer has to come up out and uh, plug his uh, uh, a laptop into uh, to troubleshoot it. So uh, I, I I don't know that it was all necessary to do that. I get the technological advances and and whatnot, but uh, you know I'm I'm an old guy and and uh, my superintendent is an old guy too. And and uh, his favorite mower to this day is a Ransom 250 fairway mower, and that's about as basic as you could ever get in a fairway mower. And guess what? It cut grass. It it cut to the the height that that uh, everybody wanted, and and got the job done. So um, I'm not sure if I answered the question or not, but I, I rambled on enough about it. No, you know I I, I think uh, in terms of the cutting units, I would agree uh, partially with that. I, I think uh, they've tried to simplify the cutting unit, but in turn, it's made it uh, more susceptible to issues. Um, that's how I would kind of characterize Absolutely. it because it seems to me that. You know, the welded frame and the eccentric bolt are kind of fail-safe, simple, you know. And we've gone away from the eccentric and we've said, okay, we're just going to make a cutting unit perfect. And we all know that that isn't the case. <laughs> Never did happen. Yeah, that, that, that's still being worked on. Uh, <laughs> and and I think when you start taking those adjustments away, and I explained this to an engineer uh, a few years ago, you start taking the adjustments away from the, from the top clubs that really want to get, or even top technicians that want to get their cutting units perfect, you've taken that away from them to do it because now it's trying to simplify everything. The, on the other hand of this, I, I understand the idea behind it because, listen, you know, no one's, no one's finding technicians growing on trees. You know, so at some point, does it become where you don't have the technicians and, and they need it to be simplified because you know, throwing eccentric bolts on there just uh, just messes people up because they don't understand it or how it works. Or have the tools or equipment to operate exactly. those things. 
And I think uh, in terms of like tractors and, and such like that, I, I think the same thing. You know, you know, when we went over to Europe, we noticed that, you know, dealers did most of the work over there. Um, is that going to be a case here in the U.S. when we don't have technicians to do the job? I mean, I think you're always going to have the elite clubs that will have technicians. I, I don't doubt that. But, you know, you start looking at the mom and pop clubs or the lower end clubs and, and the mediocre clubs in the future and, and, not, and knowing how the, how the, what the situation is in terms of getting te qualified technicians you know, is it going to make that worse? And, and are they trying to set themselves up so in the future it's easier on the dealer? Well, we in um, fact, we have a manufacturer right now that is, that is advertising that. Right. They, uh, they, they are advertising, hey, let, uh, let us take care of your maintenance needs for you. So that very well could be yeah. where, where we're going. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting here in the next five or ten years. I mean, we, we approached this issue with IGCMA back in 2007 with uh, all the manufacturers and the USGA and uh, PGA Tour when we met at Lake City. And um, when we met with them, we brought this up and said, hey, 10 years from now, we're going to start seeing a shortage in technicians because there isn't new ones coming in and the schools are starting to close. And before you know it, I mean, we've got one or two schools that are still out there teaching technicians. Um, we've got a lot of guys retiring and then we've got no new ones to come in and fill those spots. So, you know, we're getting to that point. And I think the other part of it is you start seeing a lot more, uh, golf courses, just taking guys off the crew and putting them in the shop and hoping that we're going to be able to make a technician out of this guy. Um, it's a weird scenario because you've got guys that got a million and a half, two million dollars worth of equipment, and they put a guy off the street in the in the shop with wrenches and hope that he's going to be able to take care of it. I don't know. A, I don't know any owner in the world that would want to do that. That has that much of an investment in something and would take the risk that 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 puts forward without having them trained, which brought up the earlier conversation of where do you see the training going? We're not seeing more of it. We're seeing less of it. So it's going right. to be interesting. Right. And, and uh, that just what you just said just seems to be the, the way that we're going because the owner that some of those owners that are out there, they, they really haven't thought it clear through. And they just assume that some, somebody that knows both ends of a 916 wrench would be able to go in and, and uh, take care of that million dollar fleet. It, it, uh, it's a nice try. The other thing is, is, is a lot of times we're our, our own worst enemies because you can go through the, the, the job openings or the jobs that are being advertised on uh, GCSAA, uh, TurfNet or whatever. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of them that they're, they're offering, you know, 16, 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. Well, most places, the minimum wage has gone up to nine or 10 bucks an hour. So you're really not offering much. And so you're, you're going to get what you pay for. Um, yeah, you know, a good tech is, is going to cost you a little bit of money, but um, it it uh, it just happens to be a, a, a circumstance that we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, the golf, the golf, golf itself doesn't help that situation because we've got, you know, less players and obviously less revenue, more golf courses closing, you know, so there's a lot of that type of stuff that's going on. I think we're in a better situation right now in terms of that. I see more people playing golf. Uh, probably in scattered areas. I mean, obviously, being here in Orlando, we don't really see a, uh, you know, that it that it's down that much because people come here to vacation and they play golf. So, uh, so that's a great thing. But 
in, in other places, I'm sure it's different. Um, but I think uh, right now it's okay. But you know, we're we're bound to see it again. You know, see it turned down again, and then with the time, everybody everybody uh, has less time available. Um, so when you go to play four or five hour round of golf, you know how much. <laughs> Who's got that kind of disposable time? Yeah, that attitude has really changed, and there's uh, there's a myriad of uh, articles in all the trade magazines mm-hmm. that address that. Uh, you know, golf uh, has uh, gotten to be a really expensive. Not that it ever was cheap, but yeah. uh, it's a it's an expensive sport, and it, it takes four or five hours out of your day. And and uh, there's uh, a lot of talk of uh, different generations that have different expectations or whatever. So the game is going to have to evolve. Sure, um, but it still will come back to I I, I think about my days that uh, when I was stationed over in England and and uh, some of the courses that were over there and and uh, it was just a different attitude over there. I mean, yeah. it, they even well even in our travels we go over there it was a working man's sport right. and it was but there was an expectation there too. Uh, you know, a guy got uh, finished filling potholes on the street and he wanted to go to the golf course on his way home and knock out nine holes and and. Uh, uh, probably say a few bad words and and then uh, uh, go on home. Yeah, no doubt about it. And there's no doubt that the uh, the less people that play, the more expensive it becomes because it's supply and demand. It costs X amount of dollars to operate a golf course. If we're not getting the players, we got to charge more money to get them, or we lower the price and we just have to close the tent when's at some the, point. When's the last time you paid for a round of golf? I have actually. I, I I went and played Stream Song and uh, and paid to play golf. The last and it was a hundred and I think it was like a hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. So the last time I went and and it I had the uh, um, pr- prospect of having pay having to pay for my round and cart and all that, and I looked at that one. Holy moly! Mm-hmm. I, I I just don't know that I would uh, I would do that. So. Um, but there, there are plenty of folks like my uh, our assistant superintendent. He lives for golf, and he's a good golfer. Right. So he just got back from Arizona and played the the waste management course and and a couple of others, and had no no problem with paying that those prices. So um, there there's uh, there's just as many that uh, are probably available. No, I agree. All right, so let's talk IGCMA. Let's turn back the clock um, and. Uh, and let's talk about it. I mean, I obviously talked with John Patterson uh, in my last podcast about this. Um, but any things you wish we would have done or could have done better? Or any regrets? Um, and then, you know, last question on that subject would be, you know, where would that experience rank in, in your career? You know, that was a whirlwind tour for me because um, when, I, when that first prospect came up and we scheduled the uh, conference call, I was uh, I was probably the nanny nabob in the room and and there's uh, always one <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed to be uh, at that time uh, we had a website that uh, was uh, uh, golf technicians were were on there it was the old and still is the golf techs uh, website there was you know 30 35 guys that were kind of active on that and and the prospect of forming an association came up and I'll never forget. I was on the phone. And I said, "You're going to form an association with 36 guys. I mean, how's that going to work?" So I was, I was an ace. I'm, I'm probably uh, have a, a a negative uh, view on a lot of things. So I was dragged kicking and screaming, uh, doing a lot of stuff. Uh, 
uh, as you know, I was drag kicking and streaming, uh, screaming into the technological world, mm-hmm. and I was still running a Windows ninety five or ninety eight <laughs> computer at the time, and uh, so I had to, I had a quick uh, learning uh, learning curve there. But uh, I I don't know that there's I don't know that there's anything that we could have done better. I mean, you can always do things better, but geez, we did so many things, and and it went so fast. I mean, from starting the association from the ground up to hiring lawyers and, and accountants to to uh, make sure that we we had formed the corporation correctly and, and uh, were abiding by the rules and regulations we formed in the state of South Dakota at my address. So there were things that had to be done for uh, that Secretary of State and uh, just just had to be done so and it just went so fast and and it went even faster because we'd know more than complete a project or, or get something done and and uh, you'd come up with another <laughs> idea that uh, it's like whoo we we just we never had a chance to uh, to sit back and catch our breath uh, I remember uh, a conversation that we had uh, I don't know if it was at Harrogate or whatever but we almost got into an argument about how much time that we were dedicating and spending with the association. Um, and like usual, there's you know there's a few people that did a whole lot of, of work and, and other people that were there cheering us on. So yeah, I don't I don't know that I have any regrets over anything we did. Uh, it was it was uh, it was a great ride. Uh, obviously, it got bigger than us. Uh, there was just so much at, at the end. There was so much demand for the the services that we were offering and providing, and and it was just becoming more of a monster. And oh, by the way, we had our day jobs that yeah. uh, we had to do, and and then uh, take care of association business uh, whenever we could. And and uh, I, I mean, my super, you know, really embraced it and, and gave me the time because there was quite a few times that. Uh, I either participated in a board meeting or an education seminar or whatever right at right at the shop on uh, on shop time. So um, there was there was a recognition of the true value, but uh, it it just really got bigger than us, and it was really it was a really good thing that uh, GCSAA had stepped up and and uh, uh, decided that uh, they wanted to uh, at least uh, offer to take us over. You know, we we asked for that. Uh, when we, you know, shortly after we stud- started the association, we went to GCSAA and, and uh, they politely told us uh, no thank you. Um, in the end, I, I know why they, uh, they did that, um, because uh, as, as a good association would, they were, they were waiting to see if we were going to uh, flop or, or fly. And uh, we obviously proved to them that uh, we, were, we were worthy of their... Uh, their uh, their stead and uh, I think they've done a really good job of uh, taking over the association. I know there's a few technicians or, or equipment managers out there that may disagree with me, but the the value of the the services, the the way that they've taken the certificate program and and run with it and, and expanded it, that was all vision that we had that uh, was just going to take more work that uh, we had time of. So, yeah, so the original question, there no regrets, and, and uh, I, really, uh, I really enjoyed just, you know, all the, all the time that we had with that association. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I miss that, that you know, some things I miss, some things I don't miss. Um, we definitely had some interesting meetings, but, uh, <laughs> but I think uh, one of the things that I miss is the group getting together, you know, at least once or twice a year or so at the show or whatever the case may be and 
and uh, talking about kind of the wins for the year or, or you know, the things that we were going to do the next year. You know, that, that I think for me, that, that really boosted my want to for the next year. You know, all right, I want to, you know, see if we can get us a little bit further, a little bit further. What other ideas can we come up with that no one else is doing? And I think, you know, that was really what I was trying to focus on was, you know, we had a few, you know, a few in the beginning say that this couldn't happen. There was no way this was going to, going to, going to fly. And, and so, you know, just the way that I am, I, I'm, I want to find out, well, A, how can we make it work? But B, you know, how can we think outside the box and do things differently than everyone else's do them, does them and, and, uh, try to come up with some unique ways to engage members a little bit differently. And, and so I think some of the things we did were really good. I think some of them were probably way ahead of their time. The virtual trade show, I think, was one of those that, sure, you know, even looking at the idea now, um, I, I still think it's a great idea. I still think there's a lot of merit to using it. I think the tough thing then was getting people to get online. Um, and, and in some shops, still is a challenge to get them online. But um, I, it went well. We did it for two or three years. I still think it's a, a good model to use um, in the future. Um, but it, it was, I felt it was those types of things that we said, you know, let's go out on a limb and let's, let's try this and see what happens. And, and, you know, as Patterson said, you know, we've never really got told no, uh, on a lot of the things that we came up with. And, and so, you know, the things that I really miss is that, that group getting together with everybody. And we talked to everybody. We emailed back and forth and, and this and that. But it's definitely not at the same level that it was when we were doing it. But, you know, that's, so that's one of the things that, uh, for me, as far as I, I can think, that I, I, you know, would love to continue one if of, we could have. One of the things that's lost on uh, what we had and what GCSA has taken over now, and we hadn't even considered it or anticipated it, but that was the international members. Sure. And we had uh, members on our board meeting, and those were really tough to schedule because we had one guy at Royal Melbourne in Australia, mm -hmm. and it was us all across the time zones of the United States, and then we had guys in UK. in uh, England and, and uh, Germany. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we, we had some learning curves there, too, because we were all talking on microphones behind our computers, and there was... Things that were said that uh, sometimes weren't uh, construed or or uh, taken uh, politely or whatever. We actually had some knockdown dragouts <laughs> at, at a board meeting until we figured out what was going. In fact, we had a rule or something like that that uh, uh, if uh, if there was some kind of a disagreement that we had that a phone call was in order right. to try and straighten it out. So I know when we. Uh, when we voted to uh, turn the association over to GCSAA, the the our international members were really hurt about the deal because they knew that they were they were going to lose out on the deal, even though the the same programs and services are there. But it, I think it was that personal contact that we had, and you talk yeah. about those meetings that we that we get together, and I, I do too. I. Uh, I, I I miss those uh, those interactions, but we've managed to to keep up with most of those guys. So, I, mean, I still email and and uh, uh, have phone calls or or uh, uh, Facebook messages or whatever with uh, with most of those guys. Obviously, not as as often, but that that was a real rewarding part of it. Yeah, I agree. All right, so. Changing gears here. Any advice for the younger techs out there listening for career advice or 
Uh, what would you su- suggest to your to your younger you 30 years ago? I asked this question to Patterson as well. I think it's a really good question because, you know, obviously there's some things that you think about, man, if I would have just known that, I would have done this a little bit differently. Any of those things that uh, you can think of? Yeah, you, you, you've got to have a real thirst for knowledge, and you cannot, you cannot just sit back and say, okay, I know it all. You, you have to constantly be uh, looking at things. I don't care if it's reading a trade magazine to seeking out uh, uh, seminars and, and, and uh, things that uh, is going to further your education because when, when we were talking about the evolution of cutting units and tractors and, and uh, whatnot, you know, the guys in the automotive industry are going through the same things. You know, I mean, in, in my day, we were doing uh, dwell angles on uh, sets of points and timing and, and uh, tuning carburetors. And that's a thing of the past. I mean, a gas pedal's not connected to a, a, a throttle body physically anymore on a car. It's all fly-by-wire and electronics. So uh, you, you've got to have a thirst for knowledge and you've got to be seeking out even if you have to go out of our industry, you, you have to have that. One of the things that's always been evident in, in our career field, uh, most technicians will probably tell you that their weakest uh, subject is electricity, basic electricity, electronics. And I encourage any technician that's brand new that's coming in, if, if you don't know the basics of, of, of electricity and electrons, and then carry that on to uh, hydraulics and pneumatics. You're really going to struggle uh, as, as a technician, and you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time uh, adjusting to it. So the more knowledge you have in in uh, in in that background will will serve you well. Oh, that's great. All right. So last question. I know you've I know you've threatened retiring, and you've told me this for years. <laughs> um, but but I think. From what I'm understanding now is is getting to be closer to that time, and I believe it was April or so you were talking about. So if this does happen, um, what are you planning on doing besides uh, working in more events with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've uh, I've made the decision that uh, I turned 62 this year, and that makes me eligible to collect Social Security, and and uh, I'm I'm jumping at the opportunity. I'm. Uh, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, uh, rolling around on the floor to uh, change oil on a on a 4,000 uh, rough mower is no no fun for me anymore. Um, my bones don't take it very well anymore, and it's uh, it's just time for me to uh, uh, get the Adirondack chair out and and uh, watch the world go by a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a financial hit, but uh, but everything is. But uh, I. Uh, I, I, it's just time. It's just time for me. I'm I'm not quitting by by any sense of the mean. I mean, I, I may stop going in Monday through Friday or whatever. I still plan to work part time, and and uh, you know I've got uh, friends across the the country that uh, are still working as equipment managers that are going to want help at a at a golf tournament or something like that. And hey, that's a it's an opportunity for. For Carrie and I to travel when uh, when events like that come up, so I uh, the challenge for me is if I'm going to continue to do that is I'm still going to have to stay current on what's going on in the in, in our uh, equipment management world. So that's not going to be beyond me. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna retire. I'm gonna I, I gotta paint the house and and uh, then I'm gonna go fishing because I've missed out on a lot of fishing. I've 
I've worked every every holiday and three day weekend during the summer for the last twenty years, and and so that uh, that takes a toll. So I'm looking forward to kicking back and training a a, a new kid that uh, we've got at the shop that's got, that's interested in in uh, taking over my position. So um, I, it it is true. I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna follow through with my threat, and but uh, I'll. Uh, I'll look forward to coming back and uh, working at least this tournament next year. No, that's great, Dan. You know, it's been a pleasure for me, I know. Um, being the young kid for the last, uh, <laughs> what, I've been in this business 17, 18 years, something like that. And I've been the young kid, probably still am. But uh, it's been a pleasure to work with you over the years, not only here in the U.S., but everywhere. We've traveled. We've we've got plenty of stories to tell. Um, we've uh, We've dipped pizza and dipping sauce in the UK don't ask um, ruin 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 visit to uh, Sherwood Forest yeah. by a phone call yep um, but you know that I think the the greatest thing about this business is is how uh, close everybody gets it's, you know you, you can talk to somebody a couple of times and and now you're calling each other all the time and you're seeing each other all the time and and so you know I think from my standpoint, you know, getting to know everybody through the association and, and then meeting people around the, the world, you know, that that's probably one of the highlights of my career, just uh, having the opportunity to do that. Because I, I know that, you know, not everyone has been fortunate enough to, to be able to do those things. And, and we were real fortunate, A, to, to, to have the right timing to do it, but, but also that it was the right people. I think, you know, I think, you know, you, you could, it takes, it takes more than one person to build something. And I think, uh, having the group that we had was the right group at the right time. And that's what made the association go. And, uh, without that, maybe it wouldn't have gone. I know many times something was tried to be put together and, and didn't make it. And, and so, you know, there's, there's obviously, you know, I believe there's a, there's a reason for everything. And, and, uh, so I'm certainly appreciative of, not only all the things that I've learned from you, uh, but the things I'm going to continue to learn when you come back every year for the tournament. And I'm writing that down, and I now have it recorded on the podcast so that if he tries to get out of it next year, I can pull Pretty much tape. in stone, is it? Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a pleasure, Mike, and uh, thank you not only for your help this week, but for your help uh, to everybody in the golf business, uh, helping make their technicians better, helping superintendents learn uh, what an equipment manager really is and what they really do. And, and, uh, I look forward to, to seeing you more, but also taking you up on that ice fishing trip at some point. So I guess I got to do that soon because as you get older, you know, you may not want to do that much more. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I haven't ice fished in a couple of years, so it's, it's gotten to be a lot, uh, a lot more work and these old bones are starting to feel it. So yeah, yeah probably, probably better do it quick. All right, Mike. Well, it's been a pleasure and uh, look forward to uh, more in the future, man. All right, cool. Thanks.